Today we are kicking off a new series called Habits, and maybe you can draw the meaning. Maybe I could just say amen and you could go home. You get it. Small choices can, can make major movements in your life. The small decisions, they add up, add up, and then they move mountains in your life. I mean, it can happen in lots of different ways. It can happen in positive ways. It can happen in negative ways. It's true in your workplace. It's true in your home. These small choices that we make that we often think are insignificant. It it was just a small word. It didn't matter. It can make a big difference. Uh, This is a story that teenagers like to cling to. I don't know if you saw this happening in the news recently, but a 16-year-old who played a lot of the video game Fortnite, which if you have teenagers, you've heard that word before. Uh, For those of you guys who don't know, it's a video game. It's really popular. A 16-year-old just won a Fortnite tournament and brought home $3 million dollars. Lots, lots of time spent playing the game. It paid off for one. But don't, don't worry, he didn't really get to take home $3 million because the government's like, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Go ahead and give me 50% of that. So he gets to take home $1.5 million. He spent a lot of time, invested a lot of time in it, and it paid off for him. But, but imagine what it would feel like to get $3 million. I mean, what, what if I took before you and I said, okay, here's, here's two options. I already know you're going to know the answer to this question. I'll just say that. I know you're smart. You can do the math in your head. You'll you'll know it. If I put $3 million right here and said, you can have this or you can have this penny, but this penny is going to double in worth every day for 31 days, which one would you like? And you're all smart people and you can do the math in your head and you're like, well, that penny is obviously going to turn into $10.7 million within 31 days, so I want the penny. Because, because we love the, the instant millionaire story, but just even kind of the concept is a little slower for us to grasp of something that continues to grow, something that continues to grow in worth. Sometimes it's hard for us to wrap our mind around that concept that in just 31 days, by doubling every day, that one penny could turn into $10.7 million. But there's something to be said about continued growth. Because that's how it works in our lives as well. It's like these small little steps of growth. These small habits that when we get them in line, it's the small decisions that can move our life miles away from where it was. And and I want to tell you that the the passages today, we're going to be in Romans 7, Galatians 6, and Romans 6 today as we go through, if you like to mark your Bible as we go, Romans 7, Galatians 6, Romans 6. But today's passages are familiar passages, I think, for a lot of you guys, but I don't want you to miss like, like the heart and the reality and the earthiness and the struggle behind these passages because it's so clearly on display. And, and as we get into the topic of habits, because the, the fact is habits, they're, they're the difference between success and loss. I, I mean, the, the way that we live, this is what determines the way that our life is going to go in so many different ways. Craig Rochelle, uh, who, who pastors one of the largest churches in America, he, he said it this way. He said, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. And, and it's this truth that when it, if it's in regards to our family, our work, or our spiritual life, there's things that we do and we know that they're healthy, so we try to do them and we try to, try to mix them into our life. But a lot of times these habits that we know are healthy, they only make their way in you know, once every couple months. And what we want to do is we want to move to a place where our, our habits are reflecting our identity rather than just reflecting this, this general idea of a goal that we want to move towards. But I want to say that there's a struggle in that. 
There's a struggle in moving towards the goals and the calling that God has put on your heart. There's a struggle that will be felt. When you decide and you determine, I want to grow in my spiritual life, it's not just going to all be puppies and rainbows as you make that great decision. There's going to be struggle. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be times where you feel conflicted because there's part of you that desires to do the wrong thing and part of you that desires to do the right thing. And the Apostle Paul says it this way in Romans 7. We're going to look at a couple different passages in Romans 7. Starting in verse 15, he he writes and he says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. If you haven't been walking with Christ long, then maybe you haven't felt this, but for any of us who have tried to make improvements in our life, we've definitely felt this tension. It's like, I don't understand what's going on in my own heart and in my own mind right now, because I know the thing that I'm supposed to be doing, but there's this struggle to get there to it. I know the goal, I know the dream that I have is that way, but for some reason, my habit and my behavior is pulling me over here. He continues in the chapter in verse 18, and he says, I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Have you felt that tension before? And and I just think it's a beautiful thing that this is in Scripture, that this is written from one of the greatest leaders of the Christian church in all of history, I mean, this should encourage your heart if you felt the struggle. This should encourage your heart if you felt failure before. That one of the greatest leaders is writing and he's saying, I've felt this struggle. And it's right, right here for you as you walk through it. And then into verse 24, he takes his struggles and he takes his failures and he begins to wrap them into his identity for just a moment. In verse 24, he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's this reality that when our past mistakes are kind of added up in our mind, when the the choices that went wrong, the situations that went, went wrong, the relationships that went wrong, we tend to take those experiences and then turn it into a title for ourselves. And we say, because I've always messed up this way, that's just, that's who I am. But he doesn't leave us there, and he doesn't just leave himself there in this situation where he's saying, oh, I'm just a miserable person. He's saying, no, that there is an answer, and that answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. As we look at this this tension and this truth of trying to grow, and specifically we're we're thinking about habits, because your habits will show you what you're going to become. The habits that you have, the system that you have to approaching your day, the place that you invest the first hour of your day in, they they tend to just direct you into a path, and and that's what you're going to become. The strange thing is that the place that it brings us to and the habits that we hold onto for so many years, they're not always in line with the goals that we have. We know in our head, we know in our heart, I want to invest into my marriage, I want to invest into my kids, I want to invest into my friends, I want to invest into my education or my workplace. And we know that that's the goal for this season of life, but our habits don't line up with the goal. Our habits don't line up with the calling. Our habits don't line up with the purpose that we know that we're supposed to be living on. And and, and it's because there's that tension. It's because there's that fight there. And and so Craig Rochelle preached on this, and and 
he, he laid out three obstacles that he saw, and they were very helpful for me, and so I wanted to share them with you today. And, and he, he said he sees three reasons why we don't succeed when we have a calling, when we have a goal, when we have a purpose. He said, I've identified these three reasons why we often fail, and I wanted to give them to you today. The, the first, when we're in this struggle to, to move and to grow, the first is that we focus on what, but we don't understand the how. It's like, I know what I want, but I don't necessarily know how to get there. Because the fact is, when we think of people who are victorious or people, people who are failing, they all really share the same goal, don't they? I mean, no one looks at the next year and they're saying, okay, in the next 12 months of my life, I really want my cholesterol to get dangerously high. Like, everybody wants good health. When, when you ask someone about their health, what, what are your goals for your health? Well, I, I'd like to get a little bit healthier. Well, what are you doing to do that? Well, I'm, I'm eating a few donuts every morning. I'm watching lots of Netflix. I'm not walking at all. I mean, it's like the habits that we have, they don't reflect the goals that are inside of our heart and our mind. And connect that to our calling as well, because I believe that as you become a child of God, I believe as you put your faith and trust in God, that he places a calling and a purpose in your life. And that is something that we have to pursue, but we often continue in habits that are not directing us towards the calling that God has given us. We focus on the what, but we, we don't understand the how of getting there. Every sports team that starts a season out, they all share the same goal. They, they want to win the championship. But, but whether they get there or not, that really depends on how hard they work. It depends on the systems that they have. And your life, the way that it's going to go in the next year, it largely depends on the systems and the habits that you have. And you can probably identify this in your own life. The, the system, the way that you go through your morning, your afternoon, your evening, the choices that you're making are largely just reruns of yesterday and last week, aren't they? I mean, we get into these patterns where the choices that I make about how I invest my time, who I spend my time with, whether I spend any time with God, whether, whether I invest time in serving, those choices are reflective of what last week has been. And especially when we enter into a season where we know I need to make changes, I need to grow, something needs to adjust in the person that I am because God is calling me out of what I've been, we can't continue in the same habits that we've held to. We definitely can't continue in the same addictions and patterns of behavior that are destructive and that scripture tells us to move out of. And, and we can recognize that and we'll say, okay, I know what, like I need to be a better Christian. That's the what, but the how. So tomorrow, how does it start? Tomorrow, what are the things that I need to add into my behaviors and my day to change the way that I've been living? Because if we talk about a goal that we have for what we're going to become, but we don't adjust the practical things, there's a problem there. And this just gets back to the truth that, that comes up frequently, that our spiritual life is intimately connected with every other branch of your life. The way that you parent, the way that you are to your spouse or the person you're in a relationship with, or your family members, your friends, the way that you are when you're driving down Del Prado are all intimately connected to your spiritual life, which shows you without a shred of doubt that, that we need revival in Cape Coral. Like, like our driving is a reflection of our spiritual health. Like God is needed here. God is needed here, right? You're, don't be elbowing people next to you, all right? Uh, we understand. We all have areas of growth. But, but the way that we operate in each one of those areas is reflected in our spiritual health. And if we say that we want, like the, the what for us is we want to get more spiritually healthy. We want to 
get closer to God, but we're not changing any of the hows and how we live, then there's a problem. And when we see God work through incredible people in Scripture, we see this level of faithfulness that what they did, it mattered for them. I mean, Daniel was one of those incredible lives to read and follow the stories of the way that God protected him and the way that God used him. And Daniel was known for being someone that three times a day he would get away and seek after God, with, seek after God in prayer. When we study the life of Jesus, there were so many times where the crowd would be pressing in and the needs would be high, but Scripture says that he would withdraw to an isolated place to pray. You know, the things that he was doing wasn't important, but the person that he was was more important. And I, I don't want you to get lost in, you know, the activities, the things. Your personal connection, your personal relationship with God is part of the how you're supposed to live. It's not just the things that we do. We think, we think that we need to change the results that we're seeing, but we need to change the behaviors that are creating the results. We have a problem with the number that we see on the scale. We don't need to buy a different scale. We, we, we need to change the things that are going into the body. We need to change the behaviors. And the, those are just, oh, you know, I, I ate the entire carton of ice cream, but, you know, it hasn't affected my pant size yet. Well, give it a week. Give it a month. Like, it's gonna, we know, we, we laugh because we know those small things, they'll turn into big things. Your wife gets home and you play three, three hours of video games while she cleans the house. She didn't leave yet. Keep doing that for a few more weeks. See how it adds up. The, these small choices that we make, like the video at the beginning, those small dominoes, it seems like this shouldn't wreck anything. After time, it gains momentum. It can move bigger things. It can create huge tidal waves through your life in negative ways, but it also can be in positive ways. But that's kind of the, the second hurdle is because we see so many of these behaviors as small things that, that, number two, we don't see progress fast enough. We start to make positive changes in our life, and, and we don't see, like, I did 100 sit-ups yesterday, and there's no visible ab muscles. This doesn't work. Like, that should fix my 15 years of bad eating. Like, what happened? I exercised. It doesn't work, and so we give up on it. Or, or I listened to the Bible as I was driving, but I still yelled at my kids in the car. Like, it doesn't work. No, it, it's a positive change, but it, it takes time. So much of our walk with God, it requires faithfulness. It, it requires this investment that slowly changes the way that we are. We, we wrongly conclude that small good decisions, they don't matter that much. They do. Those small good decisions, those small investments in the people around you, those small investments in your spiritual life, they will slowly change the course. But we also wrongly conclude that small, small bad decisions don't matter that much, and they do. These small decisions, when we're faithful in the little things, that's when God finds us faithful, that's when God can trust us with much. In our life, it, it's the sum total of all these small decisions that we make. And I, I want to identify the, the truth that it's easy to be doing something and being invested in it and feeling like, you know, what I'm doing, it's just not significant enough. It's not making enough significant change and to get discouraged. This last week at staff meeting, we were actually kind of laughing at the fact uh, of when we first started as a church, one of our main big goals on a Sunday was, man, if we could just get the sound system to work. <laughs> like you guys, you guys remember when that broke your eardrums a few times when we were early, early in process, 
And it's like, as a pastor of a church, like you want to come in and you want to change the city and you want to see revival and you want to see God do big things. And it's like, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just learning how to use this stupid soundboard that should be easy to use, but is not ever working. I was, I was meant to do something significant, not sit here and move dials around. There, there's a sense when you're trying to do something significant that you can feel like this task isn't big enough. This task isn't changing enough things. But just like a church, just like your family, just like your workplace, as you're faithful in those small things, you're going to move along to the greater things. So we have got to see God do tremendous things through the church, through, through your witness, through your work, through your investment. God has done great things. And we're not worrying about the soundboard anymore because we've grown through that. We've figured that out. We have the right people in place. It, it, it's these small things that, that turn into big things. You know, I, I also can kind of see it this way. Uh, when, when my kids get hungry, uh, one of the, the culinary masterpieces that I can make for them is macaroni and cheese out of the box, right? The easy stuff. And if you've ever made this culinary art piece before, you know the first thing you have to do is you have to boil water. And when you have a terrorist of a three-year-old demanding mac and cheese instantly, you know, the water can't boil fast enough. And especially to a three-year-old's mind, as you say, okay, it's heating up. The water is heating up. There is no visible change in that water. I mean, it's, we live in Florida, so it starts off at 95 degrees anyway, um, but it still takes a little bit to get to 100. And you look at it and nothing's changed. And it, and it takes a little while longer to get to 150. Nothing's changed. Is anything happening? This isn't working. This process is broken. This, this will never change anything. So it gets to 175, 200, 212, and change starts to occur. The water starts to boil. You can see the difference now. So I'm going to look at that, and I'm like, oh, it finally worked. So it is in your life. So it is with your decisions. It feels like this one good choice, this, this one act of service, this isn't going to amount to much. But it's changing the degree by, by one little bit. And faithful act after faithful act, there will come a point where things turn and things change. And people who weren't along for the inside of the ride to see the work, to see the prayers, to see the struggle, they'll look at that moment where everything changed and be like, oh, it must be nice. It must be nice for, for it to just be an overnight success like that. But they don't see all the work that happened behind. And maybe you've looked at someone else's life and you said, man, everything just turned and went better for them. And tell you, you weren't there the whole time. You don't know all the struggle that was part of that story, just the way their struggle a part of yours. And I want to encourage you. And Galatians 6 says it this way, and I want you to see the reality of this. In Galatians 6, 9, it says, let us not become weary in doing good. Scripture doesn't jump over the fact that it's possible to become weary while doing the right thing. It's possible while being a good mom to young kids to feel absolutely exhausted, to feel pulled beyond your capacity. It's possible to feel that way. It's possible while you're serving and you're doing the best that you can that you feel the struggle, that it's tough, that it feels like it's too much for your shoulders at times. It's possible to feel that way while you're doing the right things, not while you're doing the wrong things. It's possible to feel that way while you're doing good. But the passage continues on. It says, For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. 
It's not saying all along the time that you're going to experience harvest as you do good. It's saying that you can feel weary, you can feel run down, but if you stay after it, if you stay faithful, you will experience the harvest at the proper time. Things will go right at the proper time, so don't give up. It's easy to be in the situation where you feel like, I'm doing the things that I need to do, but I'm not seeing the change. I'm going to tell you, you're changing the temperature of the water whether you realize it or not. You're going to get there whether you feel like you're going to get there or not. It's going to happen. That moment will come. As you walk in the way that God has told us to walk, you will reap the harvest if you don't give up. But there's that challenge you have to get over of saying, I trust that God is going to bring the results that are supposed to come when I walk faithfully the way that he's taught me to walk. The, the third obstacle that we have to get around is our distorted identity. It sabotages our success. We, when, when our identity gets distorted, it sabotages our, our success. Because when we look at our past experience of how we messed up, uh, of the, I just have an addictive personality, and so I've done this before, and so I may as well do it again. It's just who I am. When we begin to accept lies about who we are as a person, this is something that sabotages our success as we try to move towards victory in any area of our life. We just say, oh, I've sunk at handling money in the past, and and I have so much debt. What's it matter if I just buy this one more thing? And we just continue on, and we we buy these lies that, you know, I'm just, I'm too far to save. I, I can't make any changes now. I'm not organized. I'll just drop this stuff here and I'll just keep doing it. I'm not a disciplined person. I'm not good with people. When we buy any of these lies, it's a huge hurdle for us in our growth. It's something that we have to get over. It's something that we have to get around because it gets in the way of God's calling. And this is an important truth because as we see the examples of people who argued with God about their calling, there's a, there's a fundamental misunderstanding. When God was speaking to Moses and telling him what he was to do, Moses thought that his ability to speak would get in the way. Moses, your ability to speak has nothing to do with God's ability to, to make a river turn to blood. I mean, that's what happened in, in one of the miracles. Your ability to speak has nothing to do with God's ability to part a sea. All of the things that God's going to do are so beyond your capacity that your weaknesses don't matter. Your weaknesses will only magni- magnify the greatness of God, the power of God, the fact that this is his hand at work in your life rather than you pulling it off because of your strengths. And so when, you, when your past begins to speak up and say, you can't change because this is who you've been, you can't move towards that because this is who you've been, you need to understand that that. When I move towards the calling that God has put in front of me, it's not about my strengths, it's not about my ability, it's not about my past, it's about God's power. And this is important because this might sound strange to you, but you're not the main character in the story of your life. Your your life, it's just not about you as much as you think it is. As a believer in Christ, your life is about making Christ known. Your life is about showing his power to be sufficient when your power is, is run out. And, and as the first passage talked about, that, that you know, when we're in that, that, that push and that pull of, I'm do, I know the right thing that I should do, but I keep doing the wrong thing, and I have this struggle, I'm a miserable person, is there any answer? And it says, yes, the answer is in Christ our Lord. Christ is sufficient. Christ is our power. Christ is our ability to change. And we, when we made that decision, to, to declare openly that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, he created a change in our identity. 
And, and, and th- this, is, this is a fundamental thing that we have to understand as Christians. That when our past begins to speak up, we, we have been told that we're a new creation if we're in Christ. The old has gone and the new has come. We're, we're told that we are adopted as children of God, beloved, heirs with Christ, because our identity has been changed by the work of Christ. And our abilities aren't what's on display in our life anymore. It's, it's his strength. And any parent knows the, the, this illustration and they know this truth kind of in a different way. And, and if, whether you have kids or you've been a kid, you've heard this statement before where you're out in a grocery store and your kid is with you or you were the kid and you see some other kids and they're acting like fools. They're doing something. And, and your, your kid kind of looks at you like, I want to do that too. And you're like, uh-uh. Because you're my child. Well, everybody else is listening to this. Everybody else is doing this. Everybody else is playing this. Everybody is watching this. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing because you're my child. And what you're saying in that moment or what your parent was saying to you in that moment is that your identity and your behavior is going to be different because of your relationship to me. Part of your identity is formed because of your connection to me. And what we see in scripture is that we are called children of God and not slaves, not just servants, but we are called part of the family because our identity has been changed. There's nothing, there's no sin that is strong enough to pull you out of the hand of God. There's no mistake, there's nothing that it can be said to you from someone else or something that can be done to you by someone else in your past that can pull you away from him because you are his. And so his calling is kind of simple. You're my child, act like it. You belong to me. Your identity is wrapped up in me now. And, and so when we begin to, you know, believe these distorted images of ourselves that, oh, you can never change, you can never be this, you can never be that, you need to remind yourself, I've been adopted. I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. And I have to live like that now. I've been changed and so I'm going to continue to change and grow into what I'm supposed to be. Our debt, it's been fully paid. Romans chapter 6 describes this, that, that transition point this way. In verse 6 it says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ, that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And if you guys would make your way up on stage, I'm going to begin to close this out. There is this point, and verse 6 talks about it. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ, so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. There, there reaches a point in our life and our belief where, where we encounter the truth about God. That, that he loves us, that he sent his son to pay the penalty for sin that we could never pay on our own. And we have to make a decision if we're going to place our faith and our trust in him. And that decision, it comes with a calling. And, and the way that it's described in here is that we were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. That we died to the old way of how we used to live. And there is often this struggle where I want to maintain the identity of who I was while also holding on to this new identity that God calls us towards. And we try to live in the middle. 
And it feels terrible to live in that place. To have the guilt of knowing I should be living like this, but I'm still holding on to these behaviors and these hangups. And it feels, it wrecks your heart. It messes with your family when they see that and say, is that what a Christian is supposed to be? And it's not that you should, and it's not that you will ever be perfect. But there should be this point in your faith development where you say, I'm going to die to sin. I'm going to live for Christ. Struggle will still be there, but my identity is changing. My heart is changing. My goals are changing. My habits are changing. So as we approach the end of this message, you may have been around church. You may have been around Christians. But for you, it was just kind of a a place that you kind of dip in and dip out of. It's a place where you you sit for a little bit and you go back to your life. You may even even question, why do people get so engaged in this? Maybe you don't know why because you haven't given your heart over to God yet. Maybe you haven't given the plans for your life over to God yet. And today, you need to make the decision that you're not going to hang on to both identities anymore, but you're going to be all in, that you're going to be dead to self, to the old sinful way, so that sin might lose its power in your life, so that you're no longer a slave to sin, as the passage says it, because when we died with Christ, we were set free. And that is what God wants for you. I'm going to tell you, in my own experience, when I said yes to God, I had no clue. I had no clue all the things that he was about to heal, the things that he was going to change. I had no clue about the plans that he had in store. And that feeling that I've walked through is shared by so many in this room. And that's why we're so committed. Because though it's a scary point to say, okay, my identity has to change now into what God wants it to be, there's nothing better. Successful people, they do consistently what unsuccessful people do occasionally. So in our habits, in our life, in the way that we live, what do your habits look like? Are you still living in two worlds? Are your habits chasing after all that God has for you? Because I know the plans that he has for you is good. But we have to make a decision about how we'll live. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that we are now free from the slavery of sin. We are free from the addictions and the hangups as we give them over to you. And I thank you that you call us to righteous living. And as we take a step of faith, as we place our trust and our faith in you, I ask for your provision. As there are struggles in this room right now, as there are anxiety and worry and problems in families, would you meet us right where we are? And as we desire to see healing in those areas, show us the habits that need to change. Show us the small adjustments that we need to make to change the temperature in our life. 
so that we can see the huge results that we know you have before us, so that we can chase the huge calling that you've given us, so that we can see the great works that you want to do in this city. Meet us right where we are today as we say yes to you. We thank you that when we openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that that you raised him from the dead, that we will be saved, that we will be adopted as children. If anyone's taking that step today, just encourage their heart. Bring people around them. We thank you that you welcome welcome us in as children. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.